You're listening to Recap.fm's coverage of the Amazon Prime original miniseries, Good Omens. Today we are talking about the third episode titled, Hard Times. I'm JD. I'm Seal. Did you watch it? All right. So we're going to talk about the longest cold open in the history of cold opens. This is a doozy, y'all. It's half the episode. Yeah. I thought... 25, 26 minutes? When I first watched it, I thought, oh, well, they're just skipping the credits because nobody watches the credits now that they have a skip credit button on every single streaming player except for HBO. What's going on, HBO? Why? Oh, oh, if you have uh, HBO through Amazon? Oh, yeah? Oh, yes, you do. Does it have it? You get a skip recap and you get a skip intro. Oh, man. Well, then I need to get it through Amazon. So the open is the history of Aziraphale and Crowley's relationship. All the times they've interacted, not all the times, but a lot of the times they've interacted over the millennia. The seminal moments over their 6,000-year friendship. And there's some big ones. There's some really big moments. So let's just go through them. First is Noah's Ark, which is telling in a lot of ways. Because Crowley's like, what's happening? Um, going to kill everybody. What? Everybody? You're not going to kill the children. Yeah, even the children. Oh, um, why? Well, you know, he's just kind of fed up with everybody. So except for Noah and his family, they're going to be fine. But at the end, we're going to get a rainbow as a promise to never do it again. <laughs> a thing called a rainbow. <laughs> and Crowley's like, that sounds like something my side would do. Yeah, well. We can't question God because we just can't. So that's what's happening. The plan's ineffable. Right. It's ineffable. That's important, by the way. Right. Look that word up, kids. Right. Then it goes to the crucifixion, which is a big deal, too. And Aziraphale, Crowley asks, why are they doing this to him? Because he told everybody to be nice to each other. Oh, yeah. That'll do it. You know? So crucifixion, them are both there again. They both had interactions with Jesus. So... A little bit of uh, shared history there. It turns out Crowley was the one that took him up to the, yeah, took him up to the heights to view the whole world, yeah. all took the kingdoms the, of the earth. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then we get King Arthur, <laughs> which is a very funny scene. Aziraphale is the White Knight. <laughs> yeah. Crowley is the, the Black Knight. The Black Knight. You've come upon the Black Knight. Now I'll meet your death. <laughs> like, is that you? Oh, I know him, guys. He's good. We're cool. And basically. They're on opposite sides again. Aziraphale is trying to kill the Black Knight because the Black Knight is not happy that Arthur is spreading he's sowing so much discord. Joy. Yeah, he's sowing discord because Arthur is putting too much happiness into the kingdom of Wessex. And why would we allow that? That's just not okay. And Aziraphale is sowing discord in his own way yeah. by supporting Arthur and sowing the happiness in subverting the chaos. Yes. And then we get um, William Shakespeare. Oh, so good. Which is one of my... Yeah. You know, that Globe Theater set yes. was impressive. It really was. I realize a lot of that was probably green screen. But still, the fact that they as much... There's quite a bit of that that's a, clearly a physical set. And the costumes. It's so good. That they did throughout this whole scene. Like, so good. So true to the period. And just <laughs> Crowley's outfit with his beard and his hair. <laughs> Aziraphale looks fairly similar. All throughout. Well, he's always dressed a bit dapper. Dapper and, and very white. And very white. Very, very plain, but very nice. Right. 
And Crowley's very dark and, and very edgy and very still very flashy, very of the times. Yes, very timely. Yes, uh, hip. He's he's a bit of a hipster. Yeah, so he's a total hipster. Shakespeare is doing Hamlet, and nobody's watching. But the the interaction that they have here is weird, and I think it's important because Crowley and Aziraphale both have to go to Edinburgh to do a task, and they're like, "Why instead of both of us going?" Why didn't just one of us go and do both? Yeah, because it's like a dreary time of year up there, and nobody really wants to go. And which is weird that either way, like an angel would be doing something discordish, or a demon would be doing something not discordish. And, you know, and the demon's fallen angel, and we didn't talk about this last episode, but there was a scene where Crowley was like, "I'm not really fallen. I just hung out with the wrong crowd." Yeah. So you you kind of pick up on this. He. He didn't choose this life. Right. He wasn't the firm supporter that was like, I'm better than God and got cast out. He just kind of was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe. I'm sure we'll get more details later. But it's interesting. He didn't choose the game. The game chose him. Exactly. Don't hate the player. Just hate the game. It's it's interesting to see, though, that they kind of work together and they've got this kind of pact. Like, we won't get in each other's way and we'll kind of back each other up when we can. Which... It's just weird to think that an angel and a demon would be working together like that, really kind of forming a friendship and a partnership in their own way. But if you think about it, it's almost a logical step, because at this point, their friendship has been going for 5,500 years, 5,400 years. Right. So, I think we're kind of at this progression where it's like, hey, you know, help a buddy out. Right. So... We get the French Revolution. So good. Again. Azir <laughs> uh, Fell was in England opening a bookshop, but he wanted some crepes. He wanted crepes. And you can't get good crepes outside of Paris, people. Right. So he crossed the English Channel, dressed very much as an Englishman. <laughs> but and, an aristocratic Englishman. Right. And, of course, they capture him, and they're going to cut his head off, because that's what they're doing. It's the French Revolution. They're not really on good terms with England. At this point. Well, they're not on good terms with rich people at this point. Well, that that's very the, the true. aristocracy, well. it's like yeah. if you're, you know, look like you got a little bit of money, your head's going to roll. Yeah. It was a bit of a misguided time. <laughs> really was. And then uh, Nazis. <laughs> and we get more of the prophecy books here with the Nazis. They want a copy of the nice and accurate prophecies of Agnes Nutter, which... Um, which he can't find, and this is where we find out that there was never any copy sold because nobody bought it, and then all the originals got destroyed. But he's got all the other prophecy books, and so. But he thinks he's working with the British Secret Service, and they're going to turn over and catch the Nazis. But she's a double agent working for the Nazis. Oh, he's totally getting played. But Crowley comes played into Asaka comes into the church. And you could tell that he's not real comfortable. He's like, oh, holy ground. It's like running on hot, sandy beach. You know, it's very uncomfortable. But he does it for Aziraphale. His only reason is to save Aziraphale. Yeah, he's there to save his friend. And he's like, okay, here's what's going to happen. I know bombs are being dropped over there, but it would take an act of demonic power to make one drop right here. And then it would take a miraculous act, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, for us to survive it. So what y'all need to do is just walk away or something bad is really going to yeah, happen. In about one minute, a bomb's going to get accidentally released. Yeah. And it's going to fall on this church. Right. So they work together uh, and the bomb drops. Aziraphale saves them both. And then even Crowley protects the books for Aziraphale because yeah. he knows how much he cares about it. And then uh, another one, 
um, Aziraphale steals holy water for Crowley. I don't know what Crowley needs holy water for, but I mean, it's, it's really bad for the demon. He's, well, they have a real blow up over it too. When he yeah. first asked for it, he's like, I'm not going to do this. Yet. I'm not yeah. going to give you a suicide pill. Right. So you can just off yourself when things go wrong. Right. And he's like, I'm not doing it for that. It's an insurance policy. And I'm assuming he wants it to take care of other demons. That's what would be his motivation for having it. I don't think he, he wants to leave Earth at all, but he knows that he's not really on the side of these other demons and they're going to catch on eventually. So if he's got this holy water, he can maybe protect himself. So Crowley is setting up a crew to go steal it and Zero feels like, this is a terrible idea. You don't want to steal this holy water. I got it for you. And you're like, oh my gosh, they really do care about each other in yeah. their own special way and i mean have a friendship over centuries i can't imagine but it's kind of special now, even after their big blow up where you know azir feels like I, I don't like you we're not friends this is i'm not i don't want anything to do with you anymore and right. then a couple of decades later there they are and he's like hands i love it that he hands it to him in the plaid coffee thermos right he's like be careful with this one drop in your tongue it is what i think it is. it's the holiest the holiest yeah. it could be well let me drop you somewhere no 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 uh, you drive too fast for me. I don't want to ride. And he you. says, "You go too fast for right. me, Crowley." Right. That's important. I think. Yeah. So we have a, their history right there, and that's when the credits roll. the uh, The opening credits. The opening credits roll, and I thought I got so engrossed in it. Even the second time I watched it, I got so engrossed in that episode. I thought, "Was that man?" I didn't mean to go all the way into the next episode. I was meant to stop it. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, I'm only 25 minutes in. Right. But it's important backstory. We need the backstory of yeah. their relationship because it's going to really set us up for the future. So now we get back into the meat of the story. Adam and Anathema have their first run-in in a while because Anathema is really upset at herself for losing the book. Centuries of my family all leading up to this point, and I can't keep the book for longer than two days once I go out on assignment. You know, she's a little disappointed in herself, which is fair. You know, losing that book is kind of a big deal. She's out in the front yard breaking stuff. Yeah. Should have kept better track of it. 350 years I kept this book. Yep. Should should have done a better job. You had one job. Literally, you had one job. Keep the book. Follow the prophecies. There you go. But she has her first real, like, conversation with Adam. And they sit down over lemonade. And she starts explaining to him her way of the world. And she's not a witch. She's a member of the occult, and her family's always been able to do certain things in the occult. Like, she can see auras. Everybody has one. And Adam's like, okay, what does my aura look like? And she can't see it. Nope. And she's like, well, it's more of an art than a science, and plays it off. And she's visibly worried that she can't see it. Right. And later in the episode, she works to see everybody's aura, and she can see him. She's like, okay. She thought maybe there was something wrong with her. Mm -hmm. Maybe losing the book it had taken some of her power, but it wasn't that. What it was is his aura is just so enormous that she can't see it. Yeah, it's like uh, the, the the equivalent we're given in the in the show is it'd be like standing on Fifth Avenue and not being able to see the entirety of New York City. Yes. So... Aziraphale and Crowley both recruit our friend Shadwell, Sergeant Major Witch Hunter, or whatever he is. Witch Hunter Witch Sergeant. Witch Hunter Sergeant yeah. Shadwell. Shadwell. And they both want him to go out on assignment. And he has led them to believe that he has a network of people. Oh, yeah. 
more than one instead of just him. And if you look at his accounting, which Pulsifer like looks into, it's a bunch of majors and colonels and generals named after household items. Yeah. General refrigerator, Colonel window, you know, things like that. And Aziraphale and Crowley, for whatever reason, don't catch on. Or don't I think Crowley care. 100% catches on to what's happening and just doesn't care. Well, you'd think that he would want more people, though. Because he even tells him, like, you know, send out the whole, send out yeah. your best oh, men, true. your best crew. Maybe he knows that some of them are fake, and he thinks he's just padding it a little bit. He doesn't yeah. realize yeah, okay. the extent. So all of you, they both request him to go to Tadfield. Phil knows who he's looking for. I want you to keep tabs on this boy, this 11-year-old. Here's his name. Here's his address. Watch him. Make sure he doesn't do anything crazy. We're... Crowley has no idea who it is and wants him to go find. Yeah, he's like, it'll be a boy about 11, and he'll be somewhere in this area, but that's all I got. Right. And then Pulsifer, who is doing his reading and clipping because that's their most powerful tool, or the scissors, because they read and clip out articles looking for witchcraft. He's found something interesting about Tadfield. They have had perfect weather for 11 years. Not just like, oh, it's always super nice here. Like people talk about San Diego is like a great place to live because the weather's awesome. No, no, no. When it's supposed to be autumn, it's a perfect autumn day. And it has snowed every Christmas Eve for 11 years. The weather here is always perfect. And Chad was like, I'm not interested. I don't care. What about that is witchcraft? You need to shut up and move on to something else. While I go talk to Madam Tracy, and uh, she makes me my liver and onions, even though she's a harlot, and I don't want to spend any time with her. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have I'd rather have dinner with Satan. <laughs> I can't believe he said that. Yeah. It just made me laugh. <laughs> so harsh, man. So harsh. <laughs> it made me laugh. So Aziraphale also reports back to Gabriel, and this is the first time he's done this in a while, and what he reports back is, it seems that the other side may have misplaced the Antichrist. Seems like they may have put the wrong boy, and they don't know where he is, which is probably a good thing. Maybe that means that their plan isn't going the way it's supposed to, and maybe everything's going to be okay, and we won't have to have this another war to end all wars. But no. They're like, nah, it's fine. It's all going to work out the way it's supposed to. Yeah, It It, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all fine. Yeah, we appreciate your hypotheticals, but it does not matter. The war's happening. Right. Let's get ready for it. Why didn't you go back and do what you're supposed to do? We have other things to worry about. And then after he leaves, they kind of talk bad about him behind his back. Like, that dude has been there too long. He's gone native. Yeah, he's gone native. And then after Adam talked to Anathema, she gave him some magazines talking about some of her crazy, messed up, not messed up, her crazier beliefs um, that most people would see as foolish and incorrect. Um, Ley lines. Mm -hmm. The dangers of nuclear power, which is true. Chernobyl. Listen to our Chernobyl podcast. Um, But he's trying to explain this to his parents, and they just dismiss it. They totally blow it off. He goes, oh, yeah, she can see ley lines. He goes, no, 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 no. That's just complete rubbish. Yeah, there's nothing true about that, son. And he's going to bed, and he's reading a magazine about nuclear power, and he lays his head down, and you hear some voices in the candy. And then it goes to the nearest nuclear power plant, and the the power output goes from 100 to zero 
instantly almost. It's like we're putting out 75 watts, like a light bulb. That's what a light bulb puts out, you know? This big nuclear power plant, that's all we're doing. So they open up the hatch, and they look in, and the nuclear reactor is gone. And what has replaced it is a candy that was in Adam's room. Yep. Which is a big deal. Yep. Which is a big deal. Like, oh, okay. Adam is at this young, impressionable age, and if he thinks something's bad, he can actually do something about it. Yep. Easily. He's got the power. You hear the voices telling him to do it, make it true, make it real. Make it so. You have the power. Yeah. All that in... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So that's that's the episode. It's a good episode. Man, I love the beginning with Crowley and Aziraphale. I thought that was really important and really well done. Yeah, I could have watched another half hour of that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd have been fine if that was whole episode. But, you know, always good to leave them wanting more. I think they cut it at just the right time. Agreed. I want to talk about Aziraphale and Crowley. Okay. And I'm going to jump to the end of that cold open. Okay. Aziraphale's line, he's, and Crowley offers him a ride. I'll give you a lift wherever you want to go. He says, no, thank you. You go too fast for me, Crowley. He doesn't say you drive too fast, which we've already established, and that's yeah. like a running joke at this point. Terrible driver. But he says, you go too fast for me. I want to talk about that. And clearly, Aziraphale is... More thoughtful, more pragmatic. Sure. Um, wants to do the right thing, obviously. Um, that's who he is. It's part of his nature. It's part of his nature, part, yeah. of, part of who he is. And Crowley's trying to move things along and, quote, unquote, make life better for both of them. When you have those two kinds of personalities that interact and do become close and do become friends – one tends to rub off on the other. Do you think that, do you think that Aziraphale making that statement is him not pointing out so much to Crowley something, but pointing out to himself? Do you think he's reminding himself, hey, this is not who you are? Do you think he's trying to make himself take a step back? I mean, that's, that's a fair point because Aziraphale very clearly has the more submissive of the personalities. Crowley is one of those people that will just kind of run over you and get his way. And we've seen him definitely affect Aziraphale. And, and that might be part of that. Part of that, it might be also like, hey, I've just done a lot. I just stole holy water for you. Something I thought that I would never do, and now that I've finally done it, I just need to kind of take a step back, and here I've accomplished my purpose for the day, and I've interacted with you enough. But, I mean, I think they both rub off on each other a lot, like, and which is why they work well together. They're able to complement each other's strengths and weaknesses and, you know, pick up where the other one is maybe lacking and makes a good pairing. You know, that's what a friendship is. You know, you kind of pick up where people leave off. So I think it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. I can run with that. Yeah. I want to get into, I want to talk about anathema and Adam and their relationship. And I think we see some things. We see some, we see something in Adam that's inherently good. He sees this person that's upset. Yeah. Anathema's out in the front yard breaking stuff. She's Mm -hmm. clearly upset. Adam sees this and he picks up on it and sh- shows empathy. Yeah, and he which goes, is a good says, quality. Hey, what's wrong? 
what's going on? Or, you know, is something the matter? And they strike up a conversation and start to talk. And, and so we're seeing this person who's supposed to be the ultimate evil <laughs> yeah. not behaving that way. I find that interesting. It is interesting to, to see the nuances of his personality that he cares about people. Cause you can see he very clearly deeply cares about his friends and seeing just a stranger, an older woman really distraught and him wanting to help look for the book that she lost. You know, it's, you know, taking time out of his day and what he wanted to do to help another person is, is a uh, touching and gives you a little bit of hope for the future. That, Cause a lot of 11 year olds wouldn't do that. Some would, for sure, there's, but a lot of them, ah, that lady, she's an adult. She's fine on her own. I, she doesn't need my help. But him, I'm like, okay, I'll help her because she needs it, and I'm here. Yeah. And we get an interesting moment with Dog when she invites me and says, do you want to come in? Yeah. And, you know, have some lemonade or tea or whatever. And they start to go in, and Dog balks. And he says, no, you have to come with. She says, oh, no, he can stay outside. No. I was like, no, no, he has to do what I say. Everything that I say. Everything that I say. Yeah. So just a little reminder dog has to do what he's told right because there's that horseshoe over the door which is supposed to protect them yeah. but the hellhound went against what he wanted to do and had to follow what his master said because so. uh form what was the line form defines function or something like yeah. that and so it's it, it goes back to that nature versus nurture conversation we had uh in the in our first episode mm-hmm. um and now we've introduced well form defines your behavior. Definitely. And so he's taken on the form of this small dog and this, it's just, you know, we have this thing about, Oh, the small dogs are happy and, you know, want to please you. And I don't know where I was going with that, but he clearly, it, it, I just found it interesting that he further defied, kind of defied his nature and acted more the obedient, small dog that wants to please. Yeah. And so are we going to see more of them? It, it's one of those things I want to watch out for it. I want to see where that goes. Yeah, it's interesting. And then the the relationship that starts to form between Anathema and Adam, she kind of you heard, you almost had this mentor mentee thing going on. She's explaining, you know, her explaining the occult, and yeah. And he says, "Well, what are your views?" He's like, "What what are your views on traditional education?" And she just goes off, and she goes, yeah. "Well, I got some magazines, some old ones. I was going to throw them out. Do you want to read them?" Yeah. He's like, "Oh yes." And he's and just thirsting for knowledge, he's just soaking it up. Yeah. And so it, it's interesting with you know we have you know. Young people, you know, kids are little sponges and just eager to to soak up knowledge. Certain knowledge, stuff that they find interesting. Yes. It's interesting to see little kids who, like, if they love something, and they want, they learn everything about it. But if they don't care about it, they're not going to pay attention at all, which is a struggle, I think, for teachers. Because, <laughs> like, my kid hates math. Well, good luck trying to teach him math because he hates it, you know. And trying to get kids to understand, okay, I know you don't like this, but you actually got to pay attention because it's important. It's a skill you're going to need later. Um, maybe that happens as they get older, not at 11. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But it's interesting to see their relationship start to form and the definite impact that she's having on who he is and how he's going to act here in this next week till Armageddon happens. Yeah, and... It- and also, you know, her not being able to see the forest for the trees, so to speak. Yeah. It's like, isn't it so easy that we can get blinded to things? Yeah. It's something that we probably don't want. She doesn't want to see evil in this kid, so she doesn't. Right. 
Yeah, and she has a preconceived notion of what she's going to find, and it when she doesn't have that, she's like, "Oh, I just don't know how. I've I've missed it. It's here somewhere. I just haven't found it yet." Even though she's found it, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's one thing that we missed that I wanted to talk about. Oh, uh, famine. We met Famine this episode, and we didn't talk about him at yes, all. Yes, and I was so excited to talk about Famine. Right, so I wanted to circle back on the uh, things we forgot portion. Nice. <laughs> and we totally forgot about Famine, <laughs> which is, he he likes to have people be hungry. And they kind of poke fun at these tasty and many restaurants that are so super popular right now, like... It's like for dinner, they're like, here, here's a balloon full of lavender scented air. This will be your main course. And they even go so far as to have a a restaurant where all the food is not food. Like it's chow. It's chow. Don't call it food. Call it chow. And they even say like, yeah, this is not food. It's a replacement for food. There's no nutritional value. It could cause anal leakage, but it's fine. You know, but it's trendy and it's done by this guy who's been super trendy. And it just made me laugh. That was so good. Yeah. And then our delivery guy shows up and he gets his scales. Right. And, and he's, he's like, like, oh, it's on. It's on. So, yeah. So, now we've now we've got two of the four horsemen. Right. So, yes, it, it appears that we are going to get all four horsemen. I'm very excited to see I that. I hope so. Yeah. Pestilence and death. Yeah. Don't really want to meet those people. But I guess we got to. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you know, can't have war without war. No, that's true. So, we, we've learned that for sure. We know that. Yeah. Okay. So, anything we want to speculate about in this episode? Any- Who are we going to see next? I want to know, which horseman do you think we're going to get next? I would think uh, pestilence or disease or whatever you want to call sure. it. Sure. I think they'll save death for last. Got, I mean, save death for a big entrance. Yeah. I would hope so, because... It'd be kind of anticlimactic if they just if he just rolled up in the next episode. Well, and I think of all the four, d- disease would be, or pestilence would be the least impressive to come in last. You know? Yeah, it'd be kind of a flat note. Yeah. Yeah. Like you'd want death or war to come in last for sure. Yeah, I would almost think war could come in. I mean, I would, I would, yeah. It would be a tie. Yeah. I'm glad we met war first, though. Yeah. Because she was, ooh, she's a nut job. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. But she did it so well. Like you could just see the joy in her face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm called Well, war. and the joy in all of it. Well, I say in all of them, in, in, in a famine, too. He's, he's excited. Right. He's thrilled that, oh, this thing's happening. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, in, even in his restaurant, where he's like, I've never seen so many hungry people in one place. <laughs> That's his fancy restaurant where they're paying the hundreds of dollars. This is wonderful. I've, I love everything about what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm liking the Four Horsemen characters and how they're kind of translating into modern times and what they're capable yeah, of. It's going to be fun to see how they actually use them. Yeah. And I like we said last time, I'm excited to see their interaction with Adam. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any new speculations. I still think that something something's going to happen. Adam's learning who he is and he's what he's capable of. It, well, he's not really learning. We're finding out. What We're he's finding out. Yeah, and so he's going to learn soon, especially when he meets the horseman, what he's actually able to do, and we'll see how he uses that knowledge. It's going to be interesting. But they're putting wrinkles in it by showing us different facets of his character. He's nice, or he's. A kid who doesn't understand, or he's very impulsive, like eleven year old with that kind of power, like we said before, is kind of scary. Yeah. So it's interesting to think about what he's gonna do and how he's gonna do it. I'm excited to see it. Hopefully you are too, and you'll stick with us as we finish these next few episodes. In the meantime, you could follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at Real JD Lee. 
I am at Seal Adams. It's S-E-A-L-E-A-D-A-M-S. And you can always follow our show Twitter at RecapFM. Also, go over to our website, Recap.FM, and you can join our mailing list. We're going to send out monthly, for now, probably just monthly. It may increase later, but uh, just news about podcasts, television, things that we think you'll find interesting. We won't fill up your mailbox, promise, but we have some information that we think you want to see, and we want to share it with you. So uh, recap.fm, get on our mailing list, and then check out our other shows. We're doing podcasts on Chernobyl, Stranger Things. There's more coming. Um, So if you like TV and this kind of TV that we talk about, that would be a good website for you to check out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we'll be back next week. Well, next episode. Who knows it'll be next week. Next episode with episode four of Good Omens. Until then, farewell.